Hello all, Ben Mitchell here with another Squiggly Podcast Minnesota from Bristol's Encounters Festival, which just wrapped up its 22nd edition this past weekend. If you've been paying attention to Squiggly, you'll know that the Encounters Award winners have been announced, among whom is Annette Melice, who we met in Episode 1 of this Minnesota series. She took home the Animated Grand Prix for her film Analysis Paralysis. Also among the accolades is David Deladera, whose film Balcony received the nomination for the Cartoon Door, and we're talking to David today, along with three other filmmakers from the screening It's Only Natural. Producer Lisi Michel is here with the film The Wild Boar, directed by Bella Serakeni. Also Simon Scheiber, director of The Lighthouse, and Tomek Dutsky, presenting his music video The Animals for Emily King. It's a really great sampling of what the festival had to offer, and I think you're going to enjoy hearing more. So let's leap right into it, shall we? Hi, I'm Lissy Muschel. I'm the producer of The Wild Boar. And I started to get involved into the project in 2013 when I was at Sarajevo Film Festival and I met Bella Sidakeni. And she pitched me the project and I was really intrigued by the design and uh, by the way she was telling the story. And then we applied for Robert Bosch Foundation Film Prize and uh, made it. And from then on, did a lot of work to get more partners on board and a lot of development work together with her and design and yeah it was a big production I mean we had a German team a French team and a Hungarian team hello I'm uh, David Deladera from Budapest uh, my film is uh, uh, Balkon it's my graduation film it was made by a uh, co-production with the uh, Umbrella Studio and uh, the University, Metropolitan University. And the idea came from uh, a boring vacation. Uh, and I started to work on this, the, this idea. Hi, uh, my name is Simon. I made the film The Lighthouse, the stop-motion animation. I started working on it about eight years ago, so I finished about a year ago, so in general it was like seven years. I did most of the stuff in general, so um, that's why it also took that long. Also because I financed it and like most of the things, so also had to learn most of the things from mold making to actually stop motion animation. So um, that was my part in the whole film. The idea originated from a childhood memory, like I had that quite for a long time um, when I was at school, I always thought that when I saw the world map that it's just the front-facing part of the world, so there's a second part behind it. So out of that idea, which was kind of like the naive childhood idea of a map, came that film, because I liked that moment of like where I thought that there was something, I didn't know what, but was kind of like there's something and um, I tried to put that into the film so that's uh, the lighthouse. Uh, hello my name is Tomek Dutski and um, I'm from Krakow and I had the music video The Animals uh, for the song by Emily King. This is a very simple music video and it's partly based on the lyrics and I also reference for this uh, work some of the Aboriginal stories and design and nursery rhymes. It's also because of the lyrics and that was a nice independent production. Uh, the technique we used, it's also very, I should say, primitive because it's uh, 
it's almost like ground. It's grounded coffee and uh, and plasticine. That's is there it. any uh, is there any advantage to ground coffee? It's actually because I'm trying to be um, susta like sustainable production. So the you know the coffee I drink, I also reuse it as a material, <laughs> and the same goes for plasticine. We can use it for different production. So I had one production where I used chopped wood, but we used later for heating, so... The ethical elevation. Yes. Yeah. Of all the films we've talked about, The Lighthouse is probably the longest in production. Did the overall look and tone of the film stay the same over the years? Generally, yeah, 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 I would say so. Um, um, I think the biggest problem in overall was to um, achieve the quality that I was happy, or at least satisfied. Happy was difficult. Satisfied was already difficult, so it took a lot of time. So, I mean, there are shots where I'm, I, I would like to do it over, but in general I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. And there are others where I'm actually still quite happy when I see them, that I think I'm okay with um, doing that quite nicely, but satisfied. Yeah. It also felt a little bit, it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Mikey Oh yeah? Which, uh, oh, yeah. I was wondering if that was a kind of influence there at all. In a later stage, yeah. I mean, when I started out, um, I don't know, uh, I, d I didn't know anything about Mikey Place yet. I love his work. But I would say in, in, in the beginning, it was Wallace and Gromit, maybe, was one of the reasons why I started uh, uh, doing stop motion, or always wanted to do stop motion. I come more from a background from graphic design and, and, and like motion graphics. Um, so it's a lot more computer-based, or other filmmakers, but less animation, like Bellata or um, so. It's, it's I would say a lot of them were non-animation uh, inspirations, but technically Wallace and Cromit, Mikey, please, nice to hear that you kind of thought about him. It's funny because like the elements, it's blue foam, and a few people I know they they don't like it, like they don't like those elements, like that floating things because for them it's like it remembers them of, I don't know university or something but it's something that they're like no I don't like it so it's okay but it's nice to hear it yeah appreciate uh, and David for Balcony I definitely got a feeling of catharsis yeah my my goal was actually that that um, I want to shake the audience out of their everyday life with that guy or with that gesture, the uh, gesture of yelling, I hope it it works. It's actually um, a two and three D uh, animation. And I use three D for uh, for backgrounds, and uh, the characters are in two D. So the characters are all two D. Yeah. Uh, they I, I thought I picked up maybe CG with. The no, character. no, it's in two D. It's a, a vector based uh, animation. Yeah, I used uh, Anime Studio Pro for. So uh, you were saying about, um, the nature of your film's co-production, yes. and I was sort of curious as to how what sort of challenges there were with, I guess, three countries kind of hmm. in the countless, part. Countless, countless yeah. challenges. I mean, um, it was always our wish, the director and my wish, to have it a big co-production. Um, she was very, Bella was very keen on working with um, people from other countries and um, for me, as I have a background in cinema productions, international co-production, 
it was pretty clear that I will work internationally. And luckily we found the partners also in France. And then we were really thinking a lot about how to make a pipeline working and how to split who is doing what, because this technically is really the most uh, one of the big challenges. So we had an animator from Germany went to Hungary at the very beginning of production and um, he designed the backgrounds together with Bella, who had done the background layouts already. And then Bella went to France and all the hand-drawn animation was done in France by a studio in, in Paris. And then the whole production switched to Germany and to Hungary, because in Hungary um, she was also working on coloring the, um, the characters. And then in Germany we did the whole rest of the pipeline. So we did all the 2D um, computer animation we had, so the background leaves and the water and the white bore and the compositing and sound design and so on. So, yeah. so uh, any questions from the audience? You mean the, the, the characters or the backgrounds? Yeah, what, background. what we used? Yeah. It was hand-drawn, yes. Oh, uh, it was hand-drawn, but not on paper, on, um, on the Wacom. Yeah. Yeah. But do you know if there was a specific animation software that was used? Um, yes, I know, but I forgot the name. Okay. Hit me with some names and then... Yeah, there we go. <laughs> What are the advantages and disadvantages of international co-production? The advantages and disadvantages? Well, um, <laughs> it's a good question actually. Um, from my point of view as a producer, the advantage definitely is that you can uh, get a hold of more money. So this project was actually, I would say, financed very, very well for an animation of this size, which uh, enabled us to pay people only a little less than normal. <laughs> but there is no normal in this kind of animation film that we are doing. So um, this for me was the biggest advantage. Plus I really like to get in touch with people from other countries and to see how they work and to, to also work and experience the, the challenges of that. So that brings me to the other part of the question. So the disadvantages also, from my personal point of view, the most difficult thing was um, communication if you're not in the same room. So the director who prefers to work from Budapest, forcing her <laughs> uh, to come as much as possible to be with the team and to be a director in the place where the work is happening, that was, like, I did that a lot. And whenever she wasn't there, it was a lot of extra thought and work to, to make it happen, um, what she's having in her mind to communicate with the team to make sure um, the whole thing stays together and doesn't fall apart. And that was my job, so yeah. And then, of course, working in three different countries, it's also, again, even though you have more money available in best case, but it obviously costs more than if you just have two or three people or ten people working in one place because you need to travel and you need to send stuff back and forth. Yeah. 
question to Simon whether it was tricky keeping up with the technological developments given the length of production. I was quite happy actually that I was working on it in a certain time where things came out and were certainly accessible like uh, rapid prototyping so you, you were easily able to upload 3D files and a week later um, UPS rang and I had like a little kettle at home which I had to sand and paint and everything but still um, there were a few things that happened in exactly that time which was really handy. On the other hand I would say because I would say the biggest limitation in itself was myself and the time I had. Tech-wise there was so much possible that even like motion control was accessible, um, digital, like just having the whole digital pipeline of shooting it, doing the post-production on the computer and just having like gigabytes of raw photographs. It's like so many things are so easily accessible now which, which makes it really handy. So I was able to pick up certain technological advances like in the, in, in the seven years, yeah. I mean, sh shooting time itself was about um, two, two and a half years in total. Um, I, I wasn't working on it hun like 100% of the time, so 50% of the time was commissioned work, and then the money went into making this one, so it was about 50% of the time. But, so in the two and a half years, I would say a few tech things like motion systems, uh, Arduino. So it's it's like a lot, yeah. I mean now when I kind of kind of think of it, there's a lot of things, but it's it's more like making it accessible, which happened in that time, which was really nice. I I had I had a story I had a storyboard I had the animatic, which was really nice because I always knew what I had to do. On the other hand, it was also the disadvantage of you always knew what you had to do. So sometimes you were in the edit, you also you still also start realizing okay you have to cut things down or even sometimes um, which was nice sometimes I found out that a few things didn't work yet so I was able to add things because it didn't work story-wise which was nice because then you had a moment of really developing things newly and like it's just a shot or two or three but um, that was actually quite yeah Nice. So this is the end, like the end, uh, beginning. Are you planning to do other ones, like, you know, follow-ups to it, or <laughs> after seven years? No, no. <laughs> I, um, I always have to say, my original plan was to finish within half a year. And it was about a year. In the beginning, it was actually just summertime, and then end of summer, find a job, and then do something else again. So it kind of grew to seven years. Um, I think if I... If I told myself now, seven years ago, eight years ago now, um, that it would take me seven, then I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, so um, that was an advantage to not know it. Now that I know it, no, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> not in that way. It's, it's definitely, um, I mean, it's painstaking work. But for that long time, it, you learn a lot, but you also learn your limitations of what you can do. I would also like to do something with colour a bit quicker, um, a bit more flashy, so probably that's going to be next one. So was the gender ambiguity in the wild boar intentional? I think that that's actually 
a big point, even though we never like highlighted it big time. The idea of that story kind of comes from this tough little thing trying to survive in a tough city and then growing up and you can tell like at the beginning it's really tough and male like trying to behave very rough and then once uh, she takes the bath and takes off her clothes you realize how fragile this person is and that this is a girl becoming a woman and um, it's it's puberty also I mean it's the first time she's being naked and she's kind of feeling herself and the next thing that happens is being forced to confront the animalistic side of herself and leaving it behind so it does have a lot to do with this gender thing also and we intended that it's unclear at the beginning and that you sense it and that you get it but it's good to hear that you actually did get it because a lot of people don't get it <laughs> thanks well thank you very much everyone and congratulations on your work So wonderful insights there, and if you want to check out their work, which I'm sure you do, you can visit thewildboarmovie.blogspot.com, facebook.com slash balcony2016, simonscheiber.com, and the film's website is seethelighthouse.com, and finally tomekdutsky.com, that's T-O-M-E-K-D-U-C-K-I. Well, that's all for me today, but be sure to check back tomorrow for our Final Encounters podcast, Minnesota. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.